You are listening to episode 218 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by Brian. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and we get into the swing of things in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week we're playing a little bit of Spider-Man on the uh, PlayStation 1. And Ryan, I played this game a ton when I was a kid. And uh, it was really my first introduction to Spider-Man games. And I think for many people it was. Uh, And it still holds up. I'm pretty stoked about this one. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. And I can't believe we missed a game from Spider-Man. You know, I think we talked about adding this one to the list, but we just didn't play it. We had other Spider-Man games we wanted to give a shot to. Um. But this one, uh, obviously, we'll get into a little deeper detail within the inflation deflation segment this week. But um, I found it interesting that it is Activision that owns this one. Mm. And so my thought when playing it was, and we'll have a little discussion here on Activision again, right? Is what if Activision was like, we want to remaster that Spider-Man? Or we want to remake that Spider-Man? Like, how does that work? Like, does Sony still retain the rights to Spider-Man and they can't make it? Or does Activision say, well, we own this particular Spider-Man and we have this game within our database of games. We should make it. I I questioned it. It it definitely doesn't work that way because otherwise there would never be issues with contracts and being able to do stuff like that. Like, if you just retain the ownership to the version that you made and not like the actual like rights to the character or property, then you would never have to renegotiate contracts or anything like that. But that stuff falls out all the time. Like there's reasons why you can't get stuff done or hosted on places because of those. I don't know. I just imagine like, Hey, we're HD remastering this, like this game, like this exact game, nothing's changing. We're just HD remastering it. I mean, I would assume that they would need like the rights to use the music and stuff again. So why not the characters? Yeah, because they can't just republish old games that have like copyright music in it. Who knows? We don't we're not involved in those contracts. I just question it. I was like, that'd be an interesting thing to think about. Microsoft's like, we're unveiling Spider-Man for the, uh, you know, Xbox Series X and (laughs) uh, Game Pass. Yeah, that's 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 their new Spider-Man. Sony starts complaining to uh, agencies. We're not going to be able to compete against the original Spider-Man from 2000. <laughs> hey, it's a classic. Call All of right. Duty and Spider-Man, the juggernaut. Yeah, like the original Call of Duty. Like, not even new stuff, just the yeah. original Call of Duty. All right. So, uh, of course, you can find us on thegamedeflators.com, our out-of-date website. You can find us on YouTube, which is up-to-date, finally. Uh, of course, on the podcast application you're listening to right now, on Facebook and Instagram, at The Game Deflators, and Twitter, at Game Deflators. So, let's go ahead and talk about our recent pickups and what we're currently playing. So, Ryan, right. go ahead, John. I know you... <laughs> oh, no, I was going to defer to you first. Well, I've got nothing because uh, I was too busy watching the pile of games you picked up. Yeah, that's um, a ridiculous pile of games. So if you're on our social media platforms and you kind of keep up with us, I had a ridiculous collection that I picked up this week. And it kind of was shades of 2020 when we picked up the great gaming pickup of 2020. 
and all that came from that, except it was not PlayStation 1, 2, and uh, 3 games this time. It was Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, Dreamcast, and Nintendo. Um, really interesting development on this one. So the guy had it listed for like three weeks, roughly, the same collection. And when I saw it, I'm like, there's no way this thing sells for that. I'm like, that's all retail pricing. So why why is anybody gonna nobody's gonna buy it locally and i knew what he was doing i was like he's waiting to see if somebody will buy it for like 10 percent off or something right like just to get a massive collection and big collections like that they just don't sell for face value um if you want face value you got to individually piece everything out get it sold and kind of go from there so you know i spent a little bit more than i wanted to i wanted to come in at about 2000 i know the game collection is probably in the value of around at minimum 42 to 4300. So when I reached out to the guy, you know, 18 days later uh, from when he listed, I was like, hey, so um, I'm interested in, you know, these four sets that you have. He had PS2 and PS3, but a little overpriced on what he had. Like the PS3 games were probably about 50 games, but they were like $5 games. Um, so value was like, you know, 300 bucks and he had it listed for two. And I'm like, eh, that's not really enough for me to kind of dig through that. And in PS2, he had it listed for like $800. And while the value was around the thousand, um, it also just wasn't worth it just from a scratched perspective, things that weren't complete in box. There was a lot of games that were just, eh, you know, they're not necessarily ones I want to play or have in the collection. So, or, and I didn't really have a lot of duplicates there either. Whereas with the other ones, I had a lot of duplicates between those um, that I could kind of swap out carts for better ones that he might have, better boards, et cetera. Um, also looking at it from a standpoint of like stuff that I didn't have, there was a lot of stuff I didn't have too. That was a little bit on the higher end side. And then some stuff that was like lower tier, um, which is kind of nice for the super Nintendo and Nintendo, especially uh, the dreamcast stuff was stupid. What he had. So I'm just happy I picked that up. Um, so yeah, uh, to go back to it price wise, um, I reached out, I told him 2000 bucks for the four. And he was like, no, I'll take 2,500. I'm like, all right, like, I think I have enough, kind of set in game stuff that I need to get rid of that I can kind of make up the difference and not feel too bad about it. So I went out there and as I'm picking through all of it, I'm just like, it's all dusty. Pins are dusty. All of these need to be cracked open and clean. And I'm like, dude, like I value my time and not enough, obviously, because I'm buying this collection and I'm about <laughs> to ask you. I was like, so the reason I told you 2000 primarily because I know it's worth more than that, and you know it's worth more than that because he price charted everything is these are all dirty. I'm like, and I knew they were going to be dirty and I knew that I'd have to clean them. And so looking at them, I'm like, can you do 2350? He's like, man, I really want to do 25. I'm like 2350. I take it now. It's all dirty. Like, and I started showing him proof. I'm like, look, here's, and I sent you a picture yesterday. I'll post yeah. it on like our social media. Like here's some corrosion on some pins. Like I've got to take out this corrosion. I got to clean it up. Um, I think it was on a Metroid game and there's not even a guarantee it'll work then. No, exactly. So I had to like, and like, I know people say like, don't file, but sometimes you have to file a little bit of that off. So I had to file some of the corrosion away. Um, I used a little bit of an abrasive, even though I should really be using a deoxid instead for that. And then like a 91%. Uh, yeah. So a 91%, you know, rubbing alcohol on that as well, uh, to clean it all up. So Got all of that done. I mean, I took off every bit of corrosion. Like it was nice and clean. Um, I popped into Retron and it wouldn't boot on Retron. I'm like, what the hell? And then it was having trouble booting on me on my NES. I'm like, did I screw this up? Like what happened? 
And then it turns out like the NES is just having a little trouble reading games. And so I was able to put in another game, no issue. And in the Retron, from what I was reading, it has like this uh, ROM dump failed notification that comes up. And so if you kind of turn the cart just a little bit, it should work. I haven't tried that yet, but it worked in the Nintendo. So I'm like, all right, well, if there's a slight angle that I need to put this thing in at, hopefully the pins connect and I can play it, no issues. So I got to test that out later um, and see what we can do if, uh, with the Retron specifically. Um, but otherwise, it played fine on Nintendo. So I'm, I'm happy with that. You know, I can sell that, you know, because I do have a copy of Metroid and there were two copies in there. So it's kind of nice when the guy, you know, had two copies. But point being is it took me a good like 10, 15 minutes to get that thing cleaned up and like at a point. That's just one. Like, yeah, that's just one. So I'm like, there's a, and I told him like, there's lots of man hours here. And so he, he told me, he's like, cause we actually had a, a lot of commonalities in games. Like we were chatting about like the Soulsborne series. It turns out Sekido is also his favorite Souls game. Um, he would, he was using that money to get a PS five. He said, so I was giving him some recommendations on games and he was super stoked on that. Uh, big PS one RPG guy. So it was like, it was pretty cool. Like just chatting with the guy. And so part of the, you know, the 2350, he was like, yeah, you know what? He's like, I'll do 2350. He's like, you sound like a cool guy. Like, you know, we're getting along pretty well here with like commonalities and games. He's like, I know it's going to a good place. You're obviously going to take care of it. You're going to clean it up. So yeah, 2350, I feel pretty good about that and I'll let it go. Um, so, I mean, I got it in a sense, like, yes, it's a lot of money, but if you consider what I would have spent, if I was buying those individually, online you're talking a lot more money you know and that's a lot of searching like it's already done i don't have to do anything else it's like i've got it all here now i could just kind of parcel it out with what i want what i already have swap out carts for the ones that he might have that were better um swap out pin boards if i need to like all of that is good to go and then like sell ones that are doubles obviously um to make up some of that money so it's always um you know, a pretty, pretty cool aspect of collecting is when you get to dig into a big collection like this and just really just have fun with it. So got to get more shelves yet. Um, so I've decided I'm going to sell my Atari collection actually. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't really, not all of it. So I'm going to keep the 2600. I'm going to keep some of the classics like centipede, millipede, uh, Pac-Man, Mario bros, like ones that I would actually like sit back and play. Um, and then I'm going to get rid of a lot of the other, like moon patrol and stuff, like three copies of ET. I only need one to hang up on my wall to ward off evil, evil spirits. Um, you know, little things like that. I'm just like the 5,200. I've never played it and I have it. Like, I'm just going to get rid of that one. Uh, 7,800. I got to clean it and fix it. Um, I do have all the parts for that. I just haven't done it yet. Um, and then get that going and sent out. Um, so that's really where I'm at. Like once I get rid of the Atari games that'll free up probably two shelves worth of stuff. And That's then by good. Yeah. And, and also like I was looking at sports games that I had on like the PS2. I'm going to get rid of those. I'm going to get rid of sports games like on the Wii. If I have any, like anything low and I'm just going to toss or not toss, but try and sell. And if it doesn't sell, then I'll toss it. Um, so it's really where I'm at is like, do I need more games? Probably not. Like this collection was mainly for me to kind of filter through the stuff that I really wanted and then kind of get rid of the things that I don't need. But now um, you're just or, into or, doing the collecting. So it's kind of taken on a life of its own. Yeah. And so I think by by keeping my collection around the same size and going for more higher quality than quantity, which is always an issue people have. Like I was looking at a collection that somebody posted the other day from like Game Eye. And the collection was like 4,000 games and the guy's value, like total value of his collection was half of mine. 
I'm like, I've got 2000 games or a little over 2000 and his collection is half the value. That to me means that he has more quantity over Just quality games. tons of shovelware. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I'm at. It's like, let's kind of parcel out the shovelware and some of the titles that maybe I have like a, a good example is I have destroy all humans on PS2, but I also have it on Xbox. Do I need it on both consoles? Definitely not. So like, Oh dude, you should pick it up for GameCube then. Oh yeah. Like I probably should because <laughs> it'd probably be better quality actually, but that's kind of a situation I'm in. So another one was like uh, sunset riders. He had sunset riders on a super Nintendo. I've already got a complete inbox sunset riders on Sega Genesis. So the question is, which one do I want to get rid of? Because I'm, there's no point in keeping both. And you know, for a fact that I've got duplicates of certain games on both consoles. Now, some games do have differences. Like, uh, I think the Aladdin Lion King games, there's differences between Sega and Super Nintendo. So do I keep the superior version and get rid of the inferior version of those and just get those online? Uh, you also have the fact that like the Lion King games are released on the Nintendo Switch. Do I just go ahead and, you know, keep those um, and get rid of the Super Nintendo and Genesis? So those are things that I'm kind of considering right now. Um, and, and what to do with that. I really don't want to get another shelf um, if I can help it. And I mean, I could, I could fit another shelf if I really wanted to, but I, I really don't want to as a point. So we'll see. I, I kind of value my wall space. The only other option would be to like put my shelves on a horizontal basis in that room. So it's more like a library. Yeah. Rack. Make that library stack. And I don't the know. Real, I, that's a real collector, John. I don't know how I feel about that, man. Like it would be <laughs> cool. Like to be honest, it'd be really cool to have like you have a stacks. big enough room to make it work. Kind of. I mean, I do. But at the same time, I would have to get rid of that cube unit that has all my magic cards. And where the hell am I putting that? You know? Uh, yeah. So like, yeah, there's room to put this type of stuff. But at the same time, there's not like realistically, I wish I had a basement and I don't have a basement and there's no like no basements in Arizona. Well, get a shovel, dude. Yeah, right. Digging this. Dude, I had enough trouble trenching out my yard for a sprinkler system, let alone a basement. <laughs> Screw that. So, yeah, that's where we're at right now. So you'll see the collection when you come over next week, um, unless you come over earlier in a week. I don't know. Uh, but it's ridiculous. It's massive. And um, I got to start cleaning it. So I bought my CRC electrical cleaner, which is pretty much deoxid uh, to go ahead and clean up boards and, you know, the pins and get rid of any oxidation and corrosion and such that's kind of taking place there. And then uh, from what I've read, those pins do have trouble reading afterwards, even though it's supposed to technically improve the contact uh, for the game system. So apparently you rub it off rubbing alcohol when it's done and it's okay. Mm. Um, so that's where we're at. We'll see how it all goes. Nice. Yeah, but that's what I picked up. And then uh, as far as what I'm currently playing, uh, I continued playing Cardia this week. And I had mentioned last week that the difficulty on this ramped up quite a bit for me. Turns out, I was just one turn off from my friends coming to save me in this game. And then also just greater knowledge, like reading into a little bit more. I just read a quick tutorial on like, what the hell do you do? And it was like just your phantoms that you create, give them the best possible weapons that you can like create endless weapons and give them weapons and armor and you should be okay. So that's what I did. I gave them more weapons and stuff and the battle seemed to be a little bit smoother and uh, kind of similar to like, you know, a lot of those games like Final Fantasy Tactics and such, you you have instances in these battles where you don't have to go through the full thing. It's like four turns, story kicks in, and the people flee, and you're good, mm. right? Because, like, maybe those were end bosses, and they're like, oh, no, like, we can't deal with this right now. We have to go. Yeah. And then they bolt. And uh, so that's what ended up happening in, like, the last two battles. 
Um, story-wise, I'm a little lost, to be honest. Um, I don't know why, but it's just, it isn't clicking. So I think I'm going to like read um, one of the walkthroughs just to get like a better idea from a story perspective, like with what I've done so far and see if it clicks a little better. And then as I continue playing to see if that helps, uh, because it just wasn't working for me so far. Um, but it is what it is. That's what I'm going to play for uh, my new games resolution. And, um, you know, maybe I'll dive into another uh, game here after that, like a, a nice RPG. Uh, oh, oh, one more pickup. I forgot to tell you. I picked up Graffiti Kingdom on the PlayStation 2 as well. Nice. So that, that is the uh, sequel to uh, um, Magic Pengal, which is uh, another like RPG where you create like creatures with art. Like it's pretty cool. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. So it's definitely an interesting RPG. Definitely unique. Uh, what else did I play? Uh, Factorio. I have been playing a lot of Factorio as of late. So I think I've put in like 25 hours into the game already with my friends and well, my brother and, and Justin. And, uh, yeah, we are making the factory grow. We have created trains. We've created transport belts. We have, uh, made lots of iron plates, which is a necessity in the game. And we are currently, um, researching how to make nuclear weapons nice. at this point. That'll so be helpful. Can, yeah, so we can destroy all the creatures that are somewhere on the map and evolving and then uh, get our rocket ship to go to space. So the idea is we're going to beat this like vanilla version and then we're going to get some mods and then play like a modded version of a game mm-hmm. and kind of go from there. If like, say, on Justin's save file, because right now we're in my world. So we'll go into Justin's afterwards. Uh, but it, dude, it's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. Nice. Like, well, I'm glad you found something. Yeah, definitely worth the uh, the 30 bucks to pick that up. Um, Oh, and I got Callisto Protocol as well. Yeah, that's what you were saying the other day. So you're going to check that out, you think, soon? Uh, at some point, like, I got it on PC, and I know PC was a little jacked when it came out. Oh, um, maybe wait for some updates. I mean, they're probably already there. It's probably not an issue, but it came with my, my GPU. So uh, AMD had some sort of special where if you purchased uh, one of their 6800 cards or, or really any of the, the newer or older cards, right, uh, you would get two games for free. Uh, so I have Dead Island 2. When it releases, I get that for free. And then, which I don't know if I'm going to play that. So maybe we give that away to a listener. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Um, and then Callisto Protocol, obviously I've been wanting to play that. So uh, definitely went ahead and got that on PC. Uh, which is interesting because Dead Island 2 is probably going to have better reviews than Callisto Protocol. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah. who knows with how long that's been delayed, what that's really going to look like when it comes out. <laughs> I don't know, man. Callisto Protocol has got a hard six on its, yeah. uh, on its rating through and through Game Informer of all magazines gave it a six out of 10 or 6.5 out of 10. So if they're given 6.5 out of 10, it might be kind of rough. Um, they're usually uh, are usually they're in the pocket uh, or or. Yeah, I guess they're in a pocket of a lot of these companies. So we'll see. We'll yeah. See. Or companies are in their pockets, I guess you should say. All right. And I uh, guess. Uh, go on. So I, I didn't play anything this week because it was AGDQ. So okay. anybody who is into speed running definitely got to see some awesome stuff this week. Like there was a. I think the highlight for me, I was watching, there was a four-player race for Super Mario Galaxy 2, and the guy set the new world record live. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so there was a how, lot how of you... people I saw do PVs and stuff. Uh, so do they just set up like four TVs, and then like they just I mean, race. this was remote. 
oh, for okay. this year. So it wasn't in person again. Uh, so yeah, they just have four different streamers basically all on their own setups and everybody goes at the same time. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, there was a lot of cool runs this year. Uh, I saw one that was really fun. It was a two-player um, Metroid Prime, Metroid Prime 2, but they were randomized and linked together. So you could find items for the other person's game in your game, and then it would send it over to them, including hmm. like weapons that weren't originally in that game. So it was like pretty cool to see two people playing these games co-op randomized. Gotcha. Yeah, I uh, never really watched that. I know you had mentioned it before, and uh, it does seem like I'm not a big fan of speedrunning in general. Like, I'll, you know, I'll watch it occasionally and just see how crazy somebody is at these runs. But mm -hmm. um, it's not something I sit back and just watch. But it does sound interesting enough to, to have, like, head-to-heads on speedruns. Like, that's pretty yeah. cool. Because there's, like, not only the pressure of getting your speedrun down, but also competing against people that are also getting their speedrun in. Yeah, I, I think I like the races a lot more than just like a game that I don't really care about or have any history with going really fast. Like sometimes it's hard for me on like some of the indie games or, you know, just some of the stuff that I've never played before. Like I watched a bunch of a Jack 2 speed run and I've never played any of the Jack and Daxter games. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it didn't really pull me in that much but i mean the guy was just so good and was doing some crazy stuff so it wound up catching me but it doesn't always happen yeah no it definitely sounds pretty cool i'll have to check it out or at least some videos of it yeah there was so, a scholarship of the first sin or is that what it is the dark souls 2 like um, i think that's what it was called yeah yeah that was the one that they were doing it wasn't the last game they ran but they did hit their two million dollar mark uh, running that last night and i was watching that that was fun that's yeah, actually my least favorite dark souls game number most two. people's i think yeah not very good compared to the other ones uh all right so i don't know if you had a discussion topic i had one in mind Go ahead. Uh, before we dive into some episodes so as i was kind of contemplating this collection that i bought the thing that kind of got me was when looking at things like dreamcast games which are prone to disc rot and then you have things, and really all of those CD games are prone to disc rot, and the life expectancy of disc-based media, in addition to the life expectancy of carts and how long they're supposed to go. Your batteries are technically only supposed to last like 10 years on one of those carts, um, but they've obviously lasted longer. Some of them are needing to get replaced and, and whatnot, but you know your EPROMs and your connections and all these other things that are on the board uh, in addition to the pins, like oxidation, you know, on those pins is obviously a clear issue here in Arizona. It's a little different. We have some nice, dry, not so humid weather. Um, and also, you know, our, our homestay, you know, pretty well AC during the course of the year, uh, during the uh, summertime and then during the wintertime, even when we do kind of pump up any sort of heat, at least in the Phoenix area, it's like 71 degrees, 70 degrees, or we just don't even turn on the heat at all. And so your games are not necessarily prone to anything crazy in that respect either because it's again so dry um but thinking it over uh as these games begin to die off and as these games are no longer around is there going to be greater value uh because things are going to digital based media is there going to be a lot of value in the honestly like 
the empty carts or the manuals or the cases and boxes and things of that nature. I mean, manuals and cases already kind of have their own value in market, but usually that's just to build a complete inbox. But yeah. most of those complete inboxes, you're not really taking down and playing. No, not. And that's kind of my thing was like, well, if you're not necessarily taking those games down and playing and say the, the cart dies or the CD dies, is there value in like having an original Final Fantasy seven with misprint? Just a manual, just a case, you know, later on down the road when those discs are long and gone. Uh, is there value in just having that, knowing that it's on a digital platform and knowing that there's remakes and other things that have happened? I mean, it's definitely not going to last forever. Like, I mean, I'm not huge into collectible stuff. You know, I mostly get it from you in the show. But like, look at like comics, for example. Like, I mean, obviously, really old comics are worth a lot of money because people continue to read comics and they continue to be exposed to those characters and stuff. Like, people are always going to want the number one Superman and the number one Batman and all that stuff. But it's like for old games that don't have any continuing legacy that you know the next generation doesn't have any exposure to like is anybody really gonna care about some game that never got a sequel and nobody remembers even if it's in complete inbox from you know the nes i mean in 20 years like kids probably won't care at all like they won't be able to afford a house let alone space to keep all this cool stuff that we like to hang on to, you know, that's going to all kind of dither out and go away over time. Like you'll definitely have like the hardcore collectors, but they're really only going to want what's important to them. So I think a lot of the market will go away. And some of those really big things, like people are always going to want earthbound, like earthbound complete in box. Like that's the one people are like, Oh, that's the game I need to get or Chrono cross or something. Yeah. But if that like say Chrono trigger, for example, Yeah, no, I mean, Chrono Cross is a fan. That's I love that game. It's my favorite RPG. But um, Chrono Trigger, if you had, you know, like I've got the manual for Chrono Trigger. I don't have a box, but I got the manual. And so say every single Chrono Trigger on the planet is dead. There's no more Chrono Triggers. Obviously, it's on PlayStation 1. Say it's still alive. Does the Chrono Trigger manual for Super Nintendo remain at a higher value? Does it increase in value? because there's so few of those like it's already hard to get a complete box as is like there's more there's obviously more loose copies and box copies of games out there so does something like a manual hold greater value now and kind of similar to a comic book in that respect for the hardcore audience like comics are a great example like there's comics out there that are thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. right i'm not going out and buying i love comics but i'm not going out and buying a thousand dollar comic book and a vast majority of people aren't, but there's not enough of those in certain conditions to, you know, say, oh, well, it's not like it's it's cheap, right? Like those hardcore collectors are going to pay that money because there's not so many in that like condition. If you want it, you have that's what you have to pay. Because yeah, you got to pay. That's what there is. And I mean, so, I guess like. And so does that end up being the case with manuals and cases and things of that nature or really just kind of slip like cover art? Like, does I think that end so. up being the case. I I mean, maybe not to that extreme, but like Nintendo and a lot of the companies have already not shown a lot of reverence for that type of materials. Like it's always considered really cool if you get a game that has like a digital copy of the manual, 
that you can go through and it like is highlighting that piece of history and moving forward, that's going to be like even less and less. And, you know, if you could still go back and play Chrono Trigger because it's on a ROM, like, and you want more of a complete experience, it probably makes more sense to just buy the manual or, you know, the box because you don't need to buy the game. You can play the game. That's the easiest part to get your hands on is the game. Yeah. And it's not like ISO files don't exist. So like technically you could have like in my but case, that's what like, I'm saying. Yeah. Like you yeah. can ROM any game. So like if yeah. you really want that, that thing that connects to the history, the manual and the box are probably a, an actual better tie than a game that's just not, doesn't function anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where I was leaning when I was thinking about that is like, that that's really the only part of that physical media that's going to be around like years and years to come. That's what's going to remain. Like now cart based games are a little different. Like people could probably reprogram, you know, say a corner yeah. guys, they could say, Oh, well, we're going to put on a new board. And we're just going to put in new chips and we're going to just flash this cart. And now you've got Chrono Trigger. Like that's a hundred percent possible. It might not but be But then like, you've got like a ship of Theseus situation where it's like, is this isn't a real original game. Like true, this is a new but, game. True. But you have the original enclosure. And I think over time people are going to understand like, okay, yeah, like having a legitimate copy of Chrono Trigger is no longer possible because all of these boards are just dying and the batteries are leaking all over and things are getting corrosive on the interiors of all this crap. And, you know, this stuff's supposed to last for years. Like it's, it's meant to last. Like when you look at Atari games, Atari games still work and they're from what the seventies, essentially like mid late seventies back when they um, knew how to build games. Yeah. Right. <laughs> ET. So, uh, you know, when you look at those boards, like they've lasted quite a while, but we're getting to a point in time with like Nintendo games and Super Nintendo games where you do have to have some sort of like a little bit of cause for concern um, mm -hmm. as to what can happen. And the same thing with PlayStation games. Like they say disc based media is supposed to live like 200 years, but people are seeing disc rot and things like Sega Saturn and and uh, Sega Genesis or Sega um, CD and Sega Dreamcast. Um, but a lot of that also is based on like the material they put on top for that data layer to kind of like, you know, well, and the condition you keep your stuff in, like, yeah, you, you do have a big advantage, I guess, living here in Arizona, but like everybody that you used to know, you know, down in Florida, like are their games like going to expire that much more quickly than yours are, especially the ones by the coast. So I remember I had an old Vectrix that, on the interior look like it got thrown in the ocean. I can assure you that Vectrix barnacles was, and all. Yeah, I can assure you that thing was never in the ocean, but it on the inside, it was rusted and everything else because of the salty air from living on the coast. So, uh, yeah, that was obviously a major issue for that particular uh, console. Because if you um, are a collector, like how often like you scrub your stuff when you get it, but then yeah. like how often do you break it open and scrub it again? Well, you don't need to if you store it properly. So with me, I have it in shelves and I have the pins facing in inwards. And really the only thing that ever gets dust is maybe the sides on labels and the tops. But even that, like my NES games, every single NES game is in a slip cover or, a, you know, a cover. Well, that's you. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of people don't have that. So like in 20 years, are you going to have like a lot less competition for your stuff? Is that going to drive it up even more? Because you know, the people who have and the people who have not at that point, 
you know yeah, I, th I think regardless like as more collectors enter the current market and less collections hit the internet um or not really collections but like individual pieces so chrono trigger continues to grow i mean and that's another thing like chrono trigger has been re-released several times right so when you kind of uh on i think the ds as well as uh, the playstation i don't know if they had any other releases but that game in particular continues to stay up in value i think it's it's higher than what it was just a few years ago so when you kind of look at things like that these games continue to appreciate even if it's slowly they continue to appreciate because there's less of them hitting the market more of them are dying less people are releasing their collections or selling them on the internet or things are getting broken like there's there's tons of reasons for these games to increase in price obviously and the better care you take care of it obviously the better chance it has to you know continue going up in value and that's not necessarily like the core reason i collect i collect because i love games and i love cleaning them and i love the aspect of collecting and talking about them with you and playing them and all of that so values a nice wait 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 you ripped that guy off then if you love cleaning them he should have charged you more he probably should <laughs> yeah he probably should have uh no he dude i mean he knew what he had and so like the fact that i talked him down like two thousand dollars in like retail price um it wasn't shocking to him but he was shocked i think that he let it go for as low as he did um so yeah i mean not every collection is gonna be a steal you're you're not gonna my great gaming pickup of 2020 was like i think a little over two thousand dollars for that collection and it was worth at the time probably about eight thousand is worth a lot more now you're not gonna find like 25 percent collections um sometimes you're gonna get 50 percent off which is what i end up getting so all right um let's dive into some discussions for this week or articles that i found uh the first one i thought was kind of hilarious to be honest like i got it like that's just my humor i guess uh teenager of 17 accidentally pocket dialed 911 while playing a tactical shooter video game where he said i killed two people prompting cops to swarm his home and this was daily mail i guess in the uk um dude i i get like i saw your note like i get the terrifying aspect of this but if you watch the video like oh the yeah kid was, the kid was scared to shit uh, yeah as to what I happened would be too but the cops were like super understanding they're like is anybody else in the home he's like no it's just me i was playing video games and like he comes up his hands up he does the right stuff he like lets them cuff him they check the home and he's shaking and the cops were actually super chill about it. They started i think he was playing a tom clancy game that was released like eight he was years playing ago. rainbow six siege which who is still playing that <laughs> so, i mean I guess, that's a pretty popular like i mean people still play counter-strike and that's how that's old true. now yeah that's true okay i can't really say much those but, pc I, shooters are different but it said playstation 4 and Xbox, oh i guess so. it is console yeah yeah so like that's what i was like what the hell's going on here but so yeah he um he goes out and and they're actually asking him like what his favorite characters to play with were. yeah like, they were having a nice cool collective conversation with him and I think they totally understood like what the hell happened. What I think is interesting is that the dispatcher didn't continue listening in to see like what was going on, because you could probably hear on the back end audio from the game going on. You know, like, well, I it get said the, in I the article that to... uh, he hung up and they tried calling him back like three times or something. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that, too. But I think it was he hung up on them when he was like going on TikTok is what he said. And then he he didn't like call them back, I think is what it was to. And that was his big mistake. Like you should call them back and be like, hey, I'm super sorry. I'm actually playing a video game. 
This is what's happening. That's what a murderer would say, though. Right. But like, if you want to send police to come investigate, like, that's that's cool. And kind of just give me an hour. Yeah. Like, clean up an hour to hide the bodies, you know, escape, put the blood away. Like, I get it. Um, But yeah, it was a a pretty interesting situation. And I forget what it was. Wasn't there a streamer years ago? Like SWAT came and raided his house in the middle of the stream. That was like a thing people were doing to stream oh yeah that's right i remember that swat them and it's like this dude swatted himself in this situation like i mean he's super lucky that you know he handled this well and that he had some like decently level-headed cops there because i mean just looking at this situation i mean this could have easily been a whole different kind of article yeah but they did have they did have a gun pointed at him yeah, I mean, it reminds me, like, I remember being a kid, and I I was just thinking about this, like, last week, too. My friend's coming over, and we were playing Medal of Honor oh, such on a great game. <laughs> my PlayStation, but I had, like, a, a stereo, so I always plugged my, like, audio outs to my stereo for better sound, and we just cranked it because my parents weren't home, and my buddy was, like, standing out in the street, and we were like trying to see if we could get it loud enough that he could hear like the gunfire in the street. <laughs> so it's like you can imagine how, you know, kids could get themselves into trouble. I, I mean, one way or the other. But like, man, that that would be so freaky to just be like, oh, man, because like whenever you accidentally call somebody you didn't mean to is bad enough. But like when it's the cops and they're coming to your house now, it's like, oh, no. Yeah, I remember uh, a place I worked at out here for a while. Um, I accidentally called the cops and I was like, oh, it's all good. Like I hung up real quick. Not a big deal. I went to get my lunch and apparently they came and were searching underneath my boss's desk to see if anybody was there. And like, who called 911? I'm like, "Uh, it might have been me by accident. Like, sorry, guys. Um, That was a fun time. (laughs) (laughs) come back with my subway and my cookie and it's like what happened why is everybody kind of questioning what's going on right now (laughs) who called the cops who called the cops all right our next piece here is uh this is based on famitsu uh nintendo has dominated japanese sales for the 18th year in a row uh oh and actually we should probably say that last article was uh anita bowl of daily mail on that last one and this is a chris scullion of at video games chronicle Mm-hmm. So, uh, pretty much Nintendo apparently in the last like 18 years or really 20 years for the most part, I think it's the last two decades with, you know, a couple years in between where other things sold better. They've pretty much had like the top nine out of 10 sales in Japan for video games specifically. And then like console wise, they've been dominating as well for the last like 20 years outside of the PSP one year. And I think the PlayStation two was another year. Mm hmm. Yeah, um, it's they didn't dominate. It's absolutely crazy that Nintendo is considered not like the real game company or whatever by some people. You know, like they are, man. Like Nintendo holds it up just being a game company. They don't have these giant, you know, TV branch and making home appliances and making the computers. Like they do one thing and they kick ass at it. And I mean, this is like absolutely nuts like the two games that were on the list that were ones that had taken it down in 2004 uh monster hunter portable 
second G in 2000. Oh, sorry. Dragon Quest eight in 2004 and monster hunter portable second g in 2008 like monster hunter and dragon quest like those are huge titles like those are the only things that could take down like nintendo's lineup and now those are comfortably on nintendo's lineup so and even (laughs) this year um they took nine out of ten tenth place went to elden ring on like ps4 Mm mm-hmm Game of Year Elden Ring was 10th place compared to every other title Nintendo had released. Yeah, and the crazy, like, even crazier than that is that Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, you know, in their first week was already, like, the number one. With, like, over two and a half million in just the first weekend. It was three days. Yeah, their opening weekend was 2.634 million copies. So I like think they're 10 million total worldwide, roughly. Yeah. And they're at uh, over 4 million just in Japan. Yeah. So it's like an Elden Ring is sitting there <laughs> at 356,000. Yeah. Like That's insane. Yeah. As much as we like to shit on Nintendo, sometimes they definitely have it under wraps, at least in Japan. Um, and obviously in the US, too. I mean, they they sell quite a lot out here. They sell a lot globally. And you're right for uh, just a a game company and slash card company. Uh, they do quite a lot of money. I mean, like, they've generated quite a bit. Let me do some math here real quick. Keep talking about stuff. What? What? Okay. Um, Nintendo, 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 Nintendo. <laughs> uh, that's all good for the, uh, the Google analytics and logarithms out there. If we just keep saying Nintendo, uh, this podcast episode will skyrocket in popularity. Um, because I just keep saying Nintendo, Nintendo, Nintendo. Okay, yeah. So I just yeah. added up on here. They had the hardware charts for 2022, and I added up all the hardware for PS5, Xbox, PS4, Nintendo 2D, and 3DS. So if you add all those together, Nintendo Switch still sold more than twice as many. <laughs> they sold like two and a half Switches for every other console sold this year. And that's in Japan only, right? Just in Japan. Yeah. That's like, crazy. They're such a, a juggernaut. And I don't think that, you know, despite the Switch being old and despite, you know, Nintendo having an issue with every other console release, and now we're on that other cycle and they don't have an extra handheld that they're hanging on to to fall back on this time. Like, you know, things are kind of poised for Nintendo to maybe take a stumble. But with this track record, it just seems like. I don't know, like how bad could they really stumble? Like if they were the, you know, top selling games, even during the Wii U, like, hey, how how bad can they really screw up? Well, they did so well with the Wii that they could afford to stumble on the Wii U and they've done so with the Switch, but they can afford to stumble on the next system as well and still be okay. Well, uh, it doesn't even matter if their hardware and their software, or I mean, at least their software is still no matter yeah. what year it is, the best selling across the board. Well, and that's the thing. Like, say they come out with a new console in the next year and that console completely flops, right? And we're in that type of situation where they're like, oh, well, we got to release something else because it completely flopped. They're still going to be generating tons of sales for their Switch and the Switch is still going to be in the market. It's not like the Switch is going away anytime soon. Like, mm-hmm. you know, say the Switch is supplanted in the next year it's not like they're gonna just the same day just stop selling nintendo switches yeah switch will be supported for like at least another year like breath of the wild 
two is probably my guess would be that it's going to come out on both platforms. Like it'll come out on the switch next year. And then whenever the switch two comes out, they'll have like a launch port of it then. Yeah, it it will. Absolutely. And it wouldn't surprise me if it's being developed for that next console and Mm -hmm. it's being kind of ported down, I guess you could say onto the switch. So I'm really just hoping for backwards compatibility. That's my big thing. Yeah. As long as I get backwards compatibility for whatever it is, like they could keep the switch as is and just straight up upgrade all of the hardware and put this as like next gen. I would absolutely buy it. I'd sell my old switch and jump into the next one and have that backwards compatibility. I mean, I almost considered upgrading to the OLED, which a lot of people did, you know, I mean, just that mine enough to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, like, but that upgrade alone for some people was worth it. Just the better screen made it a better situation. So to have actual better insides and being able to maybe, you know, make some of these last gen switch games or, you know, last year switch games that have kind of struggled, maybe give them a little bit of a boost. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I know they're working on hopefully updating Scarlet and Violet, but it would be nice just to be able to put it in your switch too, when it just runs better. Super Nintendo switch, Ryan, get it right. That's what it's going to be, dude. It's going to be the new switch. U Luigi edition pro. You have to add pro to the end. Yeah. Yeah. Pro plus pro plus <laughs> pro plus plus. Uh, when I say, by the way, that I don't play my Switch enough, I mean handheld. In handheld, yeah. Yeah, that, that's why like the OLED just makes zero sense. Well, honestly, me. what's the last Switch game you played? Bomberman. Oh, that's true. Never mind. That was like a week ago. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was like <laughs> two weeks three, ago. Three weeks ago, I think. I think I beat it when Barry was on. So yeah, about mm. three weeks ago. Yeah. All right. Let's look at the next thing. Ryan's favorite subject. If we're not talking PS6 and Super Nintendo Switch <sighs> and whatever the Xbox is doing... We're talking about Activision and Microsoft. So Google and NVIDIA have joined Sony to complain about Microsoft's Activision deal. I like how I said Activision deal. Yeah. (laughs) Acquisition. Yeah. Like funny. Like it just kind of rolled off the tongue. This is Paul Tassi of Forbes. So legitimate. Like it's Forbes that we're referencing here. So Um, stupid though. So stupid. Well, I get the Google one. The Google one is stupid. I get that. They're both stupid. So Google just closed Stadia. Yeah. So they want to compete while they just finished closing. And then I found an article from December by Tom Warren at The Verge. Uh, and NVIDIA is also closing their own streaming services on their own devices that they have. The NVIDIA Shield and TV thing aren't going to work for their game streaming service anymore. So if you go to their website, they're telling you to use the competition Steam Link instead so like how can these companies be like whoa 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 we really want to compete in here just as we're shuttering our business models for that like that seems like you can't you can't do that so i know with with google specifically it was a cloud gaming aspect i think with nvidia it was mobile gaming was the big thing that they were complaining about but uh google i can kind of understand yes it did fail spectacularly on its own um, with no cloud gaming competition really in sight. However, an argument can be made that due to Game Pass and what it currently stands or where it stands as of right now was a heavy influence in people not doing Stadia. Um, because why would you go to Google Stadia when you can stream day one exclusives and everything else um, on the Xbox? Like, so I, I get that component. It's not cloud gaming. I get it. 
but it's enough to warrant that there was disruption from Microsoft that led to Google no longer being able to do this. And an acquisition of this nature will not allow for much competition to occur down the road because they'll have everything on their console, including Spider-Man, the original from 2000. Um, <laughs> and so NVIDIA, similar situation, like they can't get anything off the ground because Microsoft's going to own just about everything. And they're going to, no, but you NVIDIA know, has had a really successful streaming service and the thing that NVIDIA does is like you can stream like I'm pretty sure that's why they're saying to use Steam Link now, because I think with NVIDIA's stuff before you could just stream like your Steam library and stuff. So games that aren't on Xbox, like it's a whole different marketplace of availability and options. Like there's so much stuff that's indie that's on, you know, Steam that you can use Steam Link to stream that like they're not claiming that this is interfering with them and steam actually or valve like didn't we see something a little while ago they're like not worried about this at all like they tried to get uh them the call of duty rights and they were just like whoa man we're we don't care like you could be on here or not on here we don't believe in contracts for how long exclusivity with steam should be like they're pretty chill about the whole thing. Well, yeah, they're pretty chill because they have a stranglehold on the PC market for the most part. You have them in Epic. Like, and then Microsoft kind of in there with their launcher, right? Like, yeah, I yeah, just, I mean, the other thing you, to me, well, go ahead. Sorry. Like when you think, when you think summer, what do you think of? You don't think beaches. You think hot steam. girl summer. No, you think steam. You think <laughs> steam sale. That's what you think. And when you think winter, you know what you think about? Steam sale and springtime <laughs> steam sale. Like they have such a stranglehold seasons are named after them. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I think I could see why steam doesn't care about this. Right. Or really, I guess valve doesn't care. Um, but I do think that they're, I don't know, man, like this deal in general, like there's been points in time where I'm like, oh yeah, it's absolutely going to pass. And then there's points in time where I'm like, I don't see how I can pass. Like there's too much going against it. And like in the UK, they're having the same issues. And and here's the thing that I love from this article when I read it is the one thing that could take out a juggernaut corporation from doing this is other juggernaut corporations saying they don't want it to happen. And teaming like that's up. A, that is a lot of money changing hands to try and like, I wouldn't say bribery, but a lot of like lobbying that can go on um, to try and make this not happen, right? Like Sony, Google, and NVIDIA and then whoever else wants to jump in and go ahead and say, yeah, we don't want this to happen. But even so, I want to say in the article that e these companies are still like not even 100% opposed to it either. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I didn't really see where they were saying that, like they mentioned that, but I didn't see what they said that was in favor, just saying they are not directly opposed to the deal. And it's like, why did they wait so long? Like, this has been going on for a while. Like it's already been through a bunch of different countries. And now all of a sudden they're saying they have a problem. Like where was this problem two months ago? Yeah. Why is it a problem now? Like if I start a game company tomorrow, can I have a problem with this? Yeah. Just, just wait, you're going to have, um, it won't pass in the U S and it won't pass in the UK. And each of those respective countries are going to have the Chilean version of Xbox game pass with Activision, uh, right. because it only passed in those areas. So I, I 100% don't know how all of that works from a, a global regulation standpoint and all of the different governments that need to be like yes and no. Um, but as far as I know, like they could technically just be like, 
well, screw you guys. We're still going to do it and just get fined. Like, as far as I know, like they could close this regardless of like government approval or not. Yeah, it gets to the point where like, I don't know, there's so much complication in the world and things are really never just straightforward. Like, it's hard to be all on Xbox's side. Like, I want cool stuff in my Game Pass. This is absolutely going to get me cool stuff in my Game Pass. But corporations winning is honestly not always that great of a thing, you know? And then it's like, okay, well... Who's the government to tell you what you, you know, can and can't do as far as growing your business? But at the other time, you know, it's like, well, out of control, unregulated industry is bad for everyone. So we don't want that to like, even though this is just entertainment, like we don't want this to be used in the future to make other worse things happen. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of still up in the air. I would really like to see it go maybe a neutral way. Like maybe they're allowed to make uh, some of the purchase or, you know, make the acquisition, but have to abide by some, you know, regulations like make it. So call of duty has to be on everything. I don't care. I'm not going to play it anyway. So what's it matter to me, whether it's exclusive to Xbox or not, you know, and Microsoft doesn't seem to care because they keep saying they're going to make more money off of it being everywhere anyway. So like throw in some of those things to make sure that this is being done in as fair and just a way as you can, or don't let it happen at all. And I guess we get to see how long Bobby Kotick wants to ride Activision into the ground. Yeah, and at that point, liquidation sale for all the game companies. Because, <laughs> I know? mean, this is this is really going to be good for Activision at the end of the day. Like, they need this way more than Microsoft needs them because, like, Overwatch 2 has been, like, a huge blow up in their face. Um, you know, Diablo Immortal, that made them a ton of money. But, I mean, publicity-wise, that was horrible. All the other, you know, stuff that they've had with their you know, own lawsuits and sexual harassment cases and stuff like they need to (laughs) get their name out of there in some kind of way or another. And just having this like drop their share stock, like it was saying, it's like Xbox was offering to buy it for like 95 bucks a share and it's currently below 20 bucks a share. No, it's $20 under that. Oh, currently $20 below 95. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, no, they would never be like 20 bucks a share. I wish if they were, I'd be scooping that up right now. Yeah. <laughs> be like buying my calls. Um, yeah. So again, the saga continues and we'll see what happens. You know, it's, hey, you look for us, it's news on a weekly basis. We keep getting to talk about this. Yeah. Did and we, did we talk ends. about that article a few weeks ago where um, the guy in Japan got busted for insider trading? No. Hmm. I wonder if we would see any of that from this. Like, I wonder when this deal comes to close, if we're going to see anybody like do anything shifty. Maybe. I mean, it would have already been done a long time ago. I feel. Yeah. Like before the acquisition, that's when I would figure that it would have uh, happened Um, or before it was announced, I should say. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, at this point, who knows if it's going to happen? So maybe people are pulling out like, or buying puts for that period of time but who knows you could generally sorry uh you could generally um i should be you you could pretty much see like 
you know, or get an inkling of things to come if like puts begin to like skyrocket on Activision, you know, like, oh, we sense this deal is not going to go through. Let's buy puts in anticipation that it's going to drop dramatically and I can make more money. So, yeah, bet against it. All right. Our inflation deflation segment of the week. Spider-Man. Get me Spider-Man. So like, uh, should we call this Spider-Man 2000? Like, what is the, you know, there's so many when I was looking on price charting, I was like, okay, Spider-Man. Wow, that's a lot and of it was Spider-Man. <laughs> it was also released in September, which is Spidey month. Oh, come on. I know we, we missed it. We, should, we totally missed a boat on this one. All right. So this was uh, developed by Neversoft, published by Activision, designed by Chad Finley, uh, released September of 2000. I would still call it Spider-Man. Um, it is an action adventure. <laughs> really? He put in parentheses on our end since 2000. Uh, action adventure. I think it's 2000 based on a note that says released in 2000, Ryan. <laughs> I don't think we need the designation there. Um, reception of seven plus... Uh, and up to five stars, so seven out of 10 and up, uh, really seven out of 10 and up on average, I guess you should say, uh, com- I was about to say complete in box, but I will hold, I will hold. Let's get our <laughs> thoughts on this. I was going way too fast. So I played this game a lot as a kid. I beat it when I was a kid. I beat it later on in like college at some point when I guess technically I was still kind of a kid. Um, and I really enjoyed it back then. And I really enjoyed it today. I went through like. I made sure that I got like a demo type experience and I went through and did the whole bank heist, finished up that whole situation, um, you know, went ahead and saved the hostages and got to the next scene. And I will say that this game graphically, I was playing it on a 55 inch 4K and it holds up. It still holds up graphically. It was a beautiful game for its time. It's a beautiful game today. If it got an HD remaster from Activision, I would not be sad. Um, but yeah, I mean, the only qualm I had while playing was honestly camera angles was like my biggest issue. Um, I, I got to ask, did this have uh dual dual shock? Yeah. It did. yeah it okay. Did. So that's what I think I'm still missing. I didn't, I didn't use it though. Mm. So even when I did, it was like, eh, do I need it or do I use a D pad? And I use a D pad. Okay. So yeah, I will say like control wise, it handles pretty well. The fighting is pretty good. The web, the abilities that you have with your web, like being able to launch like a web bomb um, along with uh, stringing and holding it down and swinging from building to building. Uh, all of that was great. The difference between like this game and newer Spider-Man games is the majority of it. You're spent on uh, rooftops and slinging from different like roof to roof and building to building. Um, whereas some other games you're like on the streets. This one is predominantly there and then inside the buildings. Um so, but I think that's more of just the technical aspects and what well, they were able to accomplish back then and what they could do today uh, versus that. And I think it actually was the right decision because from a graphic standpoint, it holds up today. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you just, all your rendering is fog and the tops of buildings. That's yeah. it. And then your I think, enemies. I think that was a super smart way. And I really liked how they covered it like in the story, like it's a part of the game. Like they flooded all of Manhattan with this gas. So you can't go down to the ground level. Like you have to stay at the tops of the buildings and swing around and do Spider-Man stuff. Like that's yeah. a way better thing to have than just, Oh, if you fall down too low, you die. And it's like, well, yeah. why I'm, I'm Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Like, I couldn't yeah. walk. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. The so voice acting was good. 
yeah, control was good. Voice acting was good. The, the little bits of music that were there were good. Um, I thought the animation was great. Uh, the the storyline Stan Lee was good. Uh, yes. When I heard that, I completely forgot about that. So Stan Lee doing the narration or introduction to the game and like what you could expect was fantastic. That was a nice like treat there at the beginning. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, like I'm there's a reason, by the way, I made sure I looked up like the top PS1 games of all time before I picked this. Because I was like, I don't need a third week in a row where I've picked absolute dog shit for us to play. Um, so I did make sure that I picked one of the top games. This is one of the top games on the console. And I would have to agree that it is one of the top games on the console. Still a great game. Yeah. Even today. 22 think, years later. Or twenty. Yeah, 22. Just about 22 years later. I think this was uh, definitely one of the better games that we've played in recent memory. Uh, I always enjoy not having to punish ourselves early on a Sunday, <laughs> but yep. you know, everything really did, you know, feel like a great Spider-Man game. Like you had the swinging, uh, very acrobatic. Uh, I love again, like the voice acting. It's all of the voice cast that I remember from like the nineties cartoons and stuff. So that's like really makes it feel like home. Uh, it, does just get right in the middle of things which i always appreciate like i feel like video games tend to be less of an origin story than like movies are but i really appreciate that it's just like oh we're already in this room and uh octavius is giving his speech on this thing but peter parker's here and he knows better and eddie brock's here and he turns into venom and it's like okay we're already like down and running in the middle of all the Spider-Man stuff with like little to no setup. We're in the action. We're swinging across buildings and trying to find out who is this fake Spider-Man. Um, you know, I think that having a bunch of, you know, familiar voices and all of the characters and Stan Lee and everything really makes this feel like, a really solid game, especially for that era. I feel like a lot of times in that era, you didn't necessarily have all those different things that would build up to make something feel kind of complete. Like sometimes licensed products were like feeling pretty hollow, but mm -hmm. like they addressed this from a bunch of different angles and really were like, okay, we're going to make a dope Spider-Man game. Yeah. Well, it kind of pisses me off. That I sold Spider-Man two now because I had a copy, but it was like, I want to say I had no manual. Mm. or no it's like no case or manual so i sold it loose um and i had intentions to buy it complete in box down the road i don't know what it's going for now but i think it's more than this one so brass tax uh complete in box 3412 that peaked in uh july of 2022 at 3719 and it's actually trending up right now in price a loose copy will run you 1549 right now that peaked at $22 in February of 2022. And that's also trending up. So, I mean, this is kind of pricey when you think about it for a Spider-Man game. And the reason I say it's kind of pricey is you do have things like Spider-Man on PS4 and Spider-Man on PS5. And those games right now you could pick up for less than this. I mean, arguably much <laughs> fuller, spider-man experiences yeah so i do question the price here like as much as i like this game it, I, it's hard right like 
you've got you've got these better Spider-Man. Uh, I wouldn't say better. Like this is a good Spider-Man experience. There's nothing to say wrong about that. But when you have the the two presented in front of you, say you own a PlayStation 4 and you own a PlayStation 3, and you can play Spider-Man on your PlayStation 3 as a PS1 game for $34, or you can buy the newest Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4 and you can pay $20 and get okay. a much longer, longer experience and well, far more gameplay and interaction. Let's compare that then again. So uh, you could buy, at least at the time we talked about it, um, uh, Venom Spider-Man Separation Anxiety. That was going for 90 so that's even way higher. So this is a way better deal than that is. And it's, you know, a 3D game. It's got like all the voice acting and stuff. Like I would argue this is much more worth it than separation anxiety is. True. So it's all yeah. about perspective. Like you could definitely yeah. pay more or less. But is this one worth it itself? Yeah, this is a tough one for me. I don't I'm gonna know go to with. Say- I'm going to go with, yeah, I'm going to go with a complete inbox for this just because like complete inbox to me already means like a premium. Like I don't ever expect like a disc based, you know, like complete inbox game with the manual and everything. Like, are you really going to get that many good games like that for under 20 bucks? Probably not. So you pay the $15 tax because it's a kick ass Spider-Man game with like great voice acting and, you know, a thorough story and i think this one is definitely gonna be you know at least worth it for 34 i'm going to take this lens approach on it if this game was remastered <laughs> okay i'm gonna bring it up again if this game was remastered would i pay 34 dollars for it the answer is yes if it was remastered so i think taking into effect your point on complete in box, which you're not going to get on a remaster. You're not going to get a manual. You're not going to get that sweet ass jewel case and that cool artwork on the front. You're going to get something new. I would say $34 is worth it at that point. When you, when you kind of consider what your other options are and the collectability component of this and just like, dude, my copy pristine condition. I mean, it looks like it just came out of shrink wrap. So, I would feel like if I saw that and I was a big Spider-Man fan, I'd pay $34 for it knowing what I'm getting and the high quality game that I'm getting out of it. Okay. So is it safe to say this is worth it? So just right. That's what I'm going to say. All right. Or do we want to dare say it is deflated? I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> okay. All right. It's just right. It's just where it needs to be. Um, if they yeah, did right. do a remaster on this, it'd probably be like a $40 game. Not like a full price game. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So it would be just right. Okay. So, well, no, in that case, it'd be deflated. Um, all right. So if you have not played the Spider-Man, if you were too young to have played it, or you just kind of passed this one up years ago, definitely check it out. It's definitely a good one. Uh, it, there's a reason it's in the top 50 PlayStation 1 games ever released. I think it's got like a 90 or an 88 Metacritic score. Like it's a good one. Uh, and it's well worth the story to play it through. So I, I remember enjoying it years ago and I super quick, easy, fun game. I enjoyed my time playing it today and I would highly uh, recommend it. Nice. Cool. So 
you are going to be with me in person next week prior to our D&D session. Uh, I don't yet know what we're going to play. However, I have a slew of Dreamcast games, including fishing ones, and your boy owns a fishing rod. You know, I was going to ask about a fishing game a few weeks ago, and I never did. I've got like this, the Super Marine Dreamcast, whatever it is, game. Let's I forget do what the hell it. it. Yeah. Okay. Let's see if the rod works. I haven't tested the rod yet. So uh, the rod I've had for like years, and I just didn't have a fishing game to try it. So, but I'm sure it works. Like most of my stuff should be okay. Um, all right. Well, you right, play cool. around with your rod this week and see if you can get it working. No, I need you to come here and hold it with me. Okay. Uh, so. Uh, one other thing I didn't bring it up to you on this week's episode that people need to know where is John in one piece? Um, oh yes. Yeah. So I have entered the land of Wano. Um, nice. I have found websites where I can stream, uh, the Wano arc up to episode nine fourteen. I'm currently on nine Oh three in the English dub. And then after that, I'm screwed. I got to watch Japanese cause I want to keep watching it. Uh, but the Wano arc is pretty cool so far. Like I'm, I'm liking it. Um, but I'm not sure it's as good as Dress Rosa yet, so we'll see. It's pretty cool, though. It, it, it is. Um, the whole, like, all... Well, I don't want to spoil it for you. I can't don't. spoil it for you. No, I'll, I I was starting to think about reading it again yesterday. I, I might take some time today. We'll see. You should catch up to Wano Arc so we can start talking about this stuff. And then you can start telling me the differences between, like, the manga and the anime. So are we going to start doing a weekly Where's Ryan in One Piece? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, maybe we should. Where's Ryan? And he'll be like, still in the same later, place. <laughs> I finished one chapter in four weeks. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's we how know. it works. Yeah, we all know how it works. I mean, oh, I'm probably he, just never going to finish One Piece anyways. Like, they'll release the last chapter and I'll just skip that one. I hate you. Or like the last episode concluding everything. And you'll just be like, nah, I'm good. I watched enough of it. I got a taste for One Piece. Like, I don't need to see how it ends. Yeah, the last book was just Luffy fighting the final boss. Like, whatever. Like, uh, no big deal. No big deal. Like, it, does he become, you know, king of the pirates? We'll never know. Because, well, I'm Ryan and I don't like to finish things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel so bad for Bree. Um, <laughs> so, let's see. Uh, so, that's that. And, um, God, there was one other thing I was going to bring up to you. But I, I don't remember. I think it was One Piece related. It might not be. Oh, um, the One Piece uh, video game that just came out. Apparently, it's getting stellar reviews. Oh, yeah, I did hear about that. And it does a lot of like it's like almost like a dream reimagining of certain things. So like you go yeah. through like the Alabasta arc, but it's, yep. it's like slightly different. Yeah, or it like you can continue to go like the same way like you would. But things change because like everybody has lost their powers like they remember alabasta mm-hmm. and what happened but they lost their powers, so they don't know like how to use them and you got to kind of pick things up from there at this like weird island that they're at so it seems like it's a pretty cool game to play um you know we'll see what happens if i pick that up and play it but so many other games and then the other question i was going to ask you you haven't started your inflation deflation for the year right no i need or, to get not it inflation from you. Defla- new games resolution i mean okay so you're gonna you're gonna 100 play it on gamecube then uh i mean or we okay i think i have it on both actually and there's another instance of a duplicate i'm pretty sure i have it on both consoles oh was it released for Wii? yeah i want to say it was like uh pikmin one and two were released on Wii. oh i didn't know that yeah let me double check that i'm pretty sure i have it on that console um pikmin one wikipedia uh yeah it was 
It was released on the Wii in 2009. New Play Control Pikmin. Yeah, so I think I have that. Um, well, while we're on here recording, I'll just, you know, go through my process with people and how we do this. Uh, we'll just go to price charting. And I'm not logged in, so I can't tell you. But I'm fairly certain I own one and two, if not one. I mean, it doesn't matter. I'll play it on whatever you got. Yeah, I, I have it regardless. So multiple choices. All righty. Well, this has been episode 218. I hope I said 218 to open the episode, but this has been episode 218 of the Game of Players podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.